for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. And welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified jam session. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, coming to you live from Waco, Texas. As always, nothing has changed. You know, it's quite interesting because as the pandemic keeps going on and the lockdown or isolation or whatever the hell you want to call it keeps continuing, I think we're on day 48 or something. It's been about seven weeks, I want to say. So, you know, it, it, it's been really crazy, been really taxing on the mind. So I'm really trying to stay upbeat, high energy, you know, and keep things as normal as possible, which is why we've been really pushing the jam session. So this week, it, it's going to be kind of like everything else we've done during the, uh, the uh, pandemic deal here. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge video, but luckily middle of last week, I had a live cast scheduled and it ended up turning into a jam session podcast. So that was really awesome and unexpected. So we've got a fresh new, uh, interview slash jam session for y'all. And I hope y'all really enjoy it. But before we jump into that, I just want to absolutely thank y'all for the continued support. Thank y'all for continually joining us every week, listening to the podcast, supporting Live and Amplified and everything we do. Um, This week, make sure you're visiting our website, liveandamplified.net. We are updating our new uh, blog posting site on there. Uh, It is the Indie Zine, which is... Um, posts about independent music, ways to help improve your set, ways to, you know, we're doing album reviews, ways to improve your set, ways to improve your playing, you know, and just things to really help you musically and make sure you're making the right steps. We're starting to build out our writing staff. It's uh, three of us right now, and so it's kind of small, but we're, we're getting content out, so I'm really happy with it. And I would really appreciate it if you all went to liveandamplified.net and went and checked out what we got going on over there. You know, if you love Live and Amplified, love what we do, that is a nice one-stop shop to kind of see everything we got going on. And hell, you never know, we might start live streaming over there because apparently we have that capability now. But I don't want to ramble too long on this intro for y'all, but... um. We got an amazing, amazing jam session uh, for you here today. Uh, we got a packed lineup, super talented musicians. Uh, wasn't quite sure how it was going to balance out this week, but like I had mentioned a little bit ago, we got a fresh new jam session uh, unexpectedly last week, and so it's really awesome, and I think you all are going to love it. Um, and then we've got an amazing, amazing fan feedback artist uh, this week, so... You know, between those two, it's going to be a real nice episode. I think you all enjoy it. And then, of course, we've got the amazing cover song of the week at the end of the podcast. So make sure you stick around and enjoy enjoy the uh, enjoy the show. 
This week for the jam session, we have Erica Sunshine Lee. She is currently in Georgia, but she is normally based out of Nashville, and then she kind of travels all around. She's one of the uh, fortunate musicians that is able to kind of tour nonstop. And so we sit down, we chat, she plays some music, you know, the t- typical, typical, uh, what, what you'd come to expect here on the uh, jam session. So I'm not going to speak on it anymore, and we're going to just jump right into it. <laughs> To the sound of your voice banging round in my head. I close my eyes, feel the touch of your skin like a still light in the bed. And for a moment I whisper softly, cause I'm pretending in the darkness you're still here. You hit me like a heat wave in the night. Electrified lightning when it strikes, burning up like the fire in your eyes. You hit me like a heat wave, heat wave. You hit me like a heat wave, heat wave. You're facing every stranger is dangerous. I swear you're everywhere. The smell of jasmine above such has been love floating through the air. And for a moment I stop and wonder, is the spell you had me under still right here? You hit me like a heat wave in the night. Electrified lightning when it strikes, burning up like the fire in your eyes. You hit me like a heat wave, heat wave. You hit me like a heat wave, heat Hit me like 
like a heat wave. Oh, you hit me like a heat wave. Oh, you hit me like a heat wave. What originally got you started or interested in playing music? Uh, it's interesting because I started singing when I was in church at like five years old. We were pulling up old VHSs the other night. Um, I was holding the microphone on stage with this little ch children's choir. Um, so I, I've, I've always loved being able to sing and, um, and to share that. But it wasn't until probably I, I was leading worship in a worship band at my church in middle school and high school. And then I moved to California and started singing karaoke every night. I could break into a bar, <laughs> whoever would let me in on stage. And I, um, my friend, Michelle, a, a lady that saw me at a bar said, you should meet my friend, John. And so I said, absolutely. She said, he has a band. And so I, I met up with John Lawton and he had a band called the Rodeo Clowns and um, said, hey, do you want to come sing some songs and hang out? I said, sure. So we did our first open mic at O'Neill's in San Mateo and um, I sang Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. And it's right. been one of my favorite songs ever since. And so actually my new album just came out this week and uh I've got a copy right here, but it's the first song that I've recorded that wasn't an original song. It's track number 20, because I've got 20 songs on here, mm -hmm. and it's Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. So I'm kind of coming full circle. I know it's backwards for y'all probably, but um, I finally got a chance to record it and make my own version public. Mm -hmm. But uh, after singing in his band, I started singing with uh, the Rodeo Clowns for about two years, and we were performing all over the Bay Area in San Francisco, and then I started my own band. And started writing songs after heartache. I, I got a guitar in the breakup, learned a couple chords, and um, not just heartache songs, but that was kind of, I think, like you just write what you know and what you're going through. And then I, I wrote songs about my upbringing and being from Georgia and small town and missing home and my faith in God and, and being able to share those stories with people. And I think that's one thing that I've always really loved to do is to just paint a picture. And, and that's why country music is so natural progression for a country girl. I grew mm -hmm. up listening to it, but. Um, just to be able to share my experiences and my stories and, and whether it's a first person situation like a heartache or an addiction that I know, you know, a lot of people have struggled with and being able to relate those stories and songs have helped other people or just to help them cheer up and laugh it off and have a good day and relax and have a drink or, or whether it is a serious song like mustard seed where uh, um, my cousin struggled to be able to have children and, and just those messages that whatever God gives me, I just write it down. And, and sometimes it's a fun drinking song, party song about traveling and being in Key West. And sometimes it's a serious heartfelt song or, or a heartache song. But um, I, I just have been kind of addicted and hooked ever since. So I've been on the road the past 12 years full time. I quit my day job as a car salesman yeah. after a couple of years of having my own band and uh, recorded my first 10 songs, released an album and and now I just released my ninth album. So it's just been a progression of write, record, play, tour, nonstop for 12 yeah. years. Awesome. And uh, where, so you started playing when you were, when you first moved out to San Francisco or when you were out in San Francisco, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I started my band in 2004. Okay. Um, and then I, I moved back to Nashville. Like I started writing songs and recording albums in 2007. I think my first album came out in 2008. Mm -hmm. and um, moved back to Nashville in 2012, I guess. And okay. I've just kind of been based there, but I was living out of my car for so many years and had friends let me crash on their couches. And, you know, it wasn't always the, the most glamorous rock star lifestyle, but you do what you got to do. And mm -hmm. um, so many friends be supportive along the way to help me out and to uh, 
encouraged me to keep going. And it's, it's not always an easy road, especially when you're a female in the music industry. Yep. But um, if anything, it's given me a lot better stories and um, a lot more drive to just keep going and to do what I do and, and to be able to do full-time music and to wake up and know that this is what I've chosen. This is what I love. I mean, it kind of chose me too. I feel like um, Poet's Prayer just came out by Sonny Sweeney and it's kind of a similar mentality of, you know, this life kind of chose me and I'm a, I'm a drifter. I'm a gypsy. I'm, I've got a free spirit and I love to travel and meet people around the world. But most of all, I just love to be able to share my songs and stories and see how it relates to other people. And we're not that different, you know, across mm. the world. When I play these songs, it's interesting at how you never know what somebody's been through and how it affects them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so you, you've already kind of dropped a few names as potential like influences, but who would you say are some of your musical influences? It's interesting because I always wonder, like, was it just listening to their music as, as a teenager in my room? Did they influence me? Because my first album was Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that they're an influence, but you never know because some of my rock side comes out and it's, it's that 90s rock, that grunge era of the Nirvana, the Pearl Jam, uh, the Weezer that I mm -hmm. love and, mm -hmm. and the melodies and the beats. I'm not saying that you could probably find those in a ton of my songs. But songs like Medicated are really edgy, and even my new album has a single called Bad Bitch, and it rocks out. Mm -hmm. But then you got songs like Mustard Seed or I'm Just Your Woman, and, and I feel like sometimes there's like a Shania Twain, Dixie Chicks, In Your Face, Truth, Storytelling, Sassy, Funny, Edgy, that I've probably picked up along the way from some of those. And then just like a raw, ruckus, Janis Joplin meets Stevie Nicks, I hear a lot, Cheryl Crow. Um, I don't know who my influences are, but I think they they've definitely sprinkled some along the way i wouldn't say that i have like one or two but it's interesting when i'm playing who people think that like oh that you know like you remind me of this this and this and it's like sometimes they say dolly parton and loretta lynn and sometimes they say stevie dicks and cheryl crow and so it's really across the board um it's kind of a a random conglomeration but uh overall i love old school country music so i, I love dolly i love loretta i love patsy klein and then you've got some some modern more edgy like Cheryl Crow, uh, Alanis Morissette, um, mm -hmm. just so many awesome female artists that I've loved listening to through the years, and and the soul of people like Tony Braxton and and Boys to Men and the R and B in the '90s. So I've got like some weird cyclone mixed up of of a little rock R and B and country. Yeah, awesome. I, you know, it's it's interesting like how people perceive what your sound what you sound yeah. like or who you might sound like. Cause I've definitely been in, like, I don't play an instrument. I'm, I'm not in a band of any kind. Like I couldn't carry a tune if I wanted to. <laughs> um, but like when I go to see uh, my friends perform live or like bands that we're working with, I see them perform live. And it's in my head, it's like, Oh, they sound like they have very much like a primus feel or a, mm -hmm you know, just whatever. And it's like, oh, really? I've never heard that one before. Usually they say yeah. this, you know. Exactly. So it's always, it's always interesting it's how interesting people. Get people's opinion, yeah. Absolutely. But as far as your um, creative process goes, because that, that's always something that I'm really interested in is mm -hmm. people's creative process. So when you sit down to write music, what's kind of your process 
Like, do you so come with I guess them? for me, I'm, I'm a little bit different because I always have lyrics going through my head. So it's not even like I sit down to write. Sometimes I'm just driving down the road or I'm in the shower or I'm fixing to lay down to go to sleep. And I just have constantly lyrics rolling through my head. I guess as a songwriter, a lot of my friends are the same in Nashville where it's like, oh, that'd be a good song. And so I have a hooks note in my notebook and I always write down like little ideas for songs or I'll just start writing the song right then. I'll pull over to the side of the road and write whatever. I'll just sing it into my voice memos. When I'm on a run, I'll get an idea. So it's just a constant stream of ideas and then trying to narrow down which ones are worth a day, you know, because it's like a sifter with the flour you're mixing it. And um, I've just, I've typically been like a lyrics first person. I know a lot of people come up with melodies first um, or they play the music first. But with me, I feel like um, 90 to 95% of the time I'll, I'll have the words and then I'll just kind of know the direction or the feel. So a lot of times I'll have a melody that goes along with that. And then I'll sit down on the guitar and start putting in the music. Um, I mean, if it's a more sad song, it's probably more minor, maybe a little more slow. If it's going to be an upbeat, happy song, it's probably more major, a little more fast. But, um, but I try to just, I guess for me, I get really bored if I write the same song over and over. If I hear the same song on the radio or I, I hear an artist, it's like, oh, that sounds like the other one. So I'm always trying to push myself out of the box and being able to co-write with people definitely helps to mix it up and mm -hmm. kind of have their flavor, their perspective, or just to kind of push me out of my comfort zone. Um, writing with different styles, writing with old school country or new pop country or super pop artists or Christian artists and, and that mixes it up because I do love to write different styles. I'm always trying to like figure out how can this sound different and, and very few times, but successfully, like I've, I love when I do have a lick on the guitar and I have this melody or like a riff that I'll come up with because it's very rare that I'll start with the music and songs like I do and love at a hundred degrees. I can vividly remember and everyone loves the country girls. Another one. I can vividly remember just sitting down and like having that in my head. And I was like, what is this about? Like, what does this sound like? And it just sounds like this dreamy kind of melody that I just thought, man, that just sounds like, the waves are crashing and you're just sitting there at the beach on this like lovey-dovey vacation. And so I came up with love at a hundred degrees because it's just about a, like a sweet romantic time when you're kind of like swept away in that dreamland of being away with somebody that you care about. Awesome. Awesome. Um, let's go ahead and uh, have you play another song for us. I, I really want to hear uh, another song. Uh, so what are you going to play for us? I was going to play y'all a little bit of one of my favorite drinks. And this is a song that's definitely inspired by my uh, events in Key West. It's called Mojitos. Trying to make sure I don't rip my headphones out. You're good. So, cheers. I pulled into the Islander and I driven all night and I was kind of thirsty. So I started at the hog's grill, took myself a deep breath, and I walked up to the bar to sit. Well, the band was playing a little country music. So I raised up my cup and I saw cheers to it. Then I let the catch the sunset and that sky was shot red, made me forget about the all the traffic jams and the work back home and I started to relax and let the rum flow and I found some 
somebody who was also a homie found ourselves all singing a song goes mo 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 made me want to go back to the keys it's what i said it that made me want to go back to the keys exactly it's like who doesn't want to have a drink after that song yeah <laughs> it yeah we we usually go to the keys every january there's a bluegrass festival that happens in the i think in isla Morada. so i think that's technically that's the upper keys wow so. yeah that's awesome i didn't even know about that yeah it and so that's kind of like it's early in the year, but that's like our escape. Like we go there for, we're there for about a week. So it's awesome. Um, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about, which was very interesting when I saw your, uh, the initial like request come in through our website here. You have a children's book? Yeah, I do. It's called Butterfly. Actually, I've got a copy right here. And um, I, I'd written a song a couple of years ago and I always thought it'd be a really cool children's book. And so I finally was able to get um, an awesome illustrator, Shins Chirong, to work together so that we could come up with the concept and all the illustrations inside. And um, it's very simple. It's for, you know, definitely under like age 11. Mm -hmm. So any, any kind of, I mean, even three-year-olds like carry it around and they can read along to it. And, and what's cool is because I do have the song out, they can, play it and they can kind of turn the page and sing along or read along to the song too. But um, it's just a story about being able to chase your dreams and, and not have these conventional barriers. And, and I know that's deeper than some of the three-year-olds are going to get because they just see a butterfly and think they're pretty. But mm -hmm. uh, the moral of the story is to chase your dreams and never give up and always dream big. And I just thought that that's a, a story that I want to share with my nieces and a legacy that I want to leave behind because um I know girls 150 years ago would have never been able to dream about getting in their car and driving across the country. Mm. Um, so for me, it's just been uh, really awesome to be able to pursue what I love and to be able to make it a career and just want, want girls of all ages and boys to know that there's no limit. You know, if you want to do something, go out and chase it and until it's a reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, that's a great message. And how long's the, um, how long's the book been out? 
So that's been out for about a year, published okay. for a year. And exciting news that my second book just got published this week. Oh, nice. So my new follow-up children's book should be out in about five weeks. So I'm really excited. It's called Billy the Bully. Oh, nice. And it was, it was, is writing something that you kind of like writing books? Is that something that you've always kind of had a side passion for or did it just kind of? Not as much. Um, I've always loved to write. And I guess for me, it was just this tunnel vision of write songs, write songs, write songs. But then I realized like, wait a minute, because I never knew that music could be a career. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, I never even knew that writing could be a career either. You know, like it just wasn't a part of my childhood growing up. You just think like go to college, get a degree, be like a CEO of a big company in a high rise and work in a downtown city. That was like my vision, you know, mm -hmm. or be a realtor or something that's like secure and have, well, not the real estate is always secure, but have like this path and this corporate America, you know, A plus B equals C life with a picket fence. And um, it's just funny when you get older, you realize like, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. Like I can choose whatever I want to do. And um, I'll never forget my college professor when I graduated college, he gave me a book called What, what Color Is Your Parachute? And I was reading that book like, I don't know what color my parachute is. I don't even think I have a parachute, you know. I'm just jumping off of the building into the wild blue yonder. But the book talked about doing what you love and just um, being able to find your passion, find what you're good at, find what you love and what drives you and, and what fuels your passion. And that was a really big turning point because I knew that that car salesman job was not my end-all be-all. And I worked there for several years and I thought, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. But it was paying the bills. And a lot of times people are kind of caught between the security of, having their bills paid or making the income versus like following their dreams and passions that may not pay as much. And, and there's a lot of people out there. That's why they're called hobbies. Cause for some people, you know, you need the security. You have to have the income to make mm -hmm. a living, but you also have to have the passion and the hobbies. And for me, it was a perfect storm of being able to travel and, and write songs and share music. But I'm learning that there's all these other avenues that I've kind of never even considered. And um, especially with the pandemic and this, this weird state that we're in uh, globally right now, it's mm -hmm. kind of made me just shift perspectives and say like, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Like if I'm not going to be able to tour and play music, is there some other avenue I should go down? Is there another way that you want me to use my writing? Is there um, other ways that I can affect people without music? You know, maybe if I, if I can't tour and play, then maybe writing is going to be a good outlet. So I'm, I'm definitely um, looking at other opportunities to write more and to, uh, whether it's books or articles and yeah. see where that leads. Awesome. Awesome. And that's, uh, that's always, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've been talking to a lot of creatives, whether it's video writers, musicians, mm -hmm. whatever. And it took a pandemic to find out who the real creatives are. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's very interesting because it's like, the people that really want to do this are finding a way right in a time where everything is so isolated mm -hmm. they're finding a way to keep their creative process going and getting their stuff out there and expanding their community when everybody is so isolated right and like you know so you got musicians doing the live streaming like i was uh one of uh the guys that we met while we were down at that bluegrass festival i had mentioned a little bit ago he started doing live streaming out where is he north carolina i think he's based mm -hmm. out of he does a five o'clock happy hour every night and he 
who's said in an, or he got an article written up about him in the local newspaper. He says, I'm making more money now than I did, you know, just doing the one hour set in my front yard. You know, I'm making more money right. now than I did traveling, you know? It's true. And people have been so supportive and, and I didn't want to stay out at my audience and like just do it every single day because mm-hmm. you kind of do want to create like an urgency or have some kind of supply and demand because yeah. I don't want them to just be bored and feel like, okay, I'm playing the same show every day. Cause for me, I feed off the audience. And when I'm playing in Key West versus when I'm playing in Michigan, I might have a totally different set, a totally different show, totally different vibe. Um, and when I'm playing at a festival and the world's largest music festival versus a small intimate wine bar or house concert, my mm-hmm. sets change completely. So it's been cool to be able to share songs that I normally don't get to play at my shows. Cause a lot of times, especially if it's at night or if it's beachy and you want to keep it upbeat, you don't get to play some of these like really heartfelt, super gut wrenching like ballads or um, songs that some of the ones that have meant the most to me in my career and earlier songs that I've written. So I've been able to brush the dust off of some of the older songs and bring them back and, and definitely challenge myself to find new ways. I mean, I've got new t-shirts out. I've got new koozies. I've got my brand new album and um, just the love that's been poured out online has been amazing. And people have been ordering the CD. I've been at the post office every day, mailing autograph CDs and t-shirts. So that's been incredible to keep it going and um, to see. I mean, I definitely miss the road because it's been a huge part of who I am in my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most of my stories and songwriting comes from being on the road and traveling and meeting people. And, and that's just been my creative muse. But, um, but definitely I'm not going to stop writing because for me, the technology has enabled me to still be able to FaceTime write with artists and writers across the world and um to be able to do that and have more time to kind of slow down and and maybe reflect on where i am and i think it's a good time for everybody i think god just wanted everybody to press pause and go hello what are you doing down there because we all need a little break to go what are we doing this for like am i doing it for myself am i just wanting to do it for money or am i actually doing it to help people and have a purpose and like to look back at the end of my life and go did i do something worthy you know was, was it actually meaningful or was it just to go through the groundhog day absolutely absolutely um what what's or when you're out traveling and uh touring out on the road is it it's mainly just you by yourself out there i mix it up like when they're bigger shows when we play festivals we played uh shine frontier days a summer fest i've had my band with me and we toured across the entire country i've i've toured with a band in in europe i've toured with a band in australia and fiji and samoa but um the last year or two, I've done a lot less shows with the band, and mm-hmm. it's just been a lot easier solo on the road. And a lot of the events that I've been getting booked for were acoustic, just solo. So for me, it's either way. I love having the band with me because I love the way that the album sounds and the full like rock show with a fiddle or pedal steel and a, a guitar and the keys and the drums and the energy of that being so big. And then sometimes my most intimate meaningful shows are just me and my guitar where you can hear every word. And sometimes it's nice to be able to tell the stories behind them and to be able to relate to people. And then they walk away and they understand it. They get it that like, Whoa, that's a true story or that really happened or, or they feel like they're more of a part of it. So I guess connecting with people sometimes is easier when it's just me and my guitar, but you know, leaving that lasting impression of like, man, that show rocks sometimes it's easier with a band. So it's, it's good for both. I think, for me, I've enjoyed the, the mixture and kind of keeping both of the aspects of it. Whatever, you know, obviously the bigger bigger shows help um, be able to bring the band along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then being 
primarily based out of Nashville. Uh, one thing that's because there are so many musicians that just like come to Nashville every year, whether they're coming there to live there full time or just for, for the short term. Who are some musicians that you're really paying attention to and are re- like some younger musicians that are, you're really like paying attention to? Like um, that are already mainstream or some of them that haven't broken through yet? Maybe uh, let's go with more that haven't quite broken through yet. Because um, writing with, with artists in Nashville, there's just so many talented songwriters that mm-hmm. never get heard or so, so many talented singers. Like uh, Jen Bostick is mm-hmm. such an incredible voice. She has just beautiful piano skills. She's flawless. Her vocal range is insane. Her falsetta, I'm just envious. I hear her and I could just close my eyes and think that's that's what angels are going to sound like in heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, hearing people like that, you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so many talented artists. Like you've got to hear Jen, you got to hear Kenzie Copeland, you got to hear like Ava Page is 15 years old and she mm-hmm. plays guitar better than I do. And I've been playing for years and years. And yeah. um, you just hear these awesome songwriters that may not even be the best singer, but their mm-hmm. songs are just so incredible. You just stop. Yeah. And then there's artists that have been on the voice like Barrett Baber and, and he wrote um, uh, nothing for Cody Johnson on his latest album, and and Barrett just tears it up. I mean, you can hear a pin drop when he's singing in the room. There's, I mean, I can't even start to to list. I mean, I love writing with Justine Robbins. This is one of my favorite writers. Bill D. Luigi is one of my favorite writers. Um, getting to just write with some of my best friends like Jessica Nixon and Andrea um, Goodman, and then you've got artists that are out there just crushing it, and you hear them like. Baker Grissom is another one. He's like a great songwriter, and, and I just love his personality. And yeah. Gosh, that throws me for a curve because now I'm going to be kicking myself for the 40 other people I didn't name. Yeah. But there's just so many talented artists in Nashville that, um, and some of them I follow. I'm not even that close to, um, but I'm following online. Like, uh, trying to think of her name. She wears bell bottoms all the time. Uh, of course, Hannah Dasher is killing it. She's awesome. Ashley McBride's already kind of broken through the mold and, and mm-hmm. broken all the records. And she's one that everybody's looking to because it's funny. I've been writing these songs for so many years and people are like, you're too country for country radio or like, you know, Oh, you can't have that. Much that is in a the song. weirdest saying you're too country. Right? For, like, I know it's wait, sad, what? but then you hear somebody like Ashley and they're putting out country songs and people are loving them. And it's just, it's awesome and encouraging for me because people like Eric Church and uh, William Michael Morgan and some of the really country artists that are out there still playing country, gritty country music. I'm like, thank you. It's not, you know, like it's not gone. It's not extinct because a lot of my songs, especially earlier on, was like super storytelling, 90s country, old school, gritty, outlaw. And uh, even though I have a lot of pop country songs too, I, I love being able to share that side of my music and I'm so glad it's not dead or extinct. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting that you brought up Ava Page because mm-hmm. the first time I ever went out to Nashville, which was about three years ago, I think at this point, um, her mom messaged me. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, I, I know it's kind of late because I think it was like the day or two before, but uh, next time you come out, uh, my daughter is a musician and I'd love for you to work with her and, you know, and it was like, okay, cool. Well, if I if I have any slots open up while we're in town, you know, I'll definitely give you a call and we'll mm-hmm. try and get something to work out. And I listened to her music and I was like, okay, this is really good. And then as I started working with other musicians in Nashville, her name just kept coming up. And I'm like, wait a minute, 
there there's something more to this there there's she's got special. yeah mm-hmm. she's a powerhouse yeah. songwriter singer plays guitar she's yeah. young and energetic and dynamic and performs more than most of the people i know that are you know 30 yeah and it, it like i mean unfortunately she's kind of going through some health issues right now mm-hmm. and hopefully she'll pull through you know yeah. she'll get better and all that she's stuff a strong girl yeah um, we co-wrote one of her new singles it's called um prettier poison i'm not sure if you've heard it no i but haven't heard it I've she's heard. just she's got the edge she's got the sweetness she's got all the little ingredients for an amazing artist and and i think with her story it's just gonna make for even better songs yeah and she's got faith in god to get her through and she's got a lot of friends that love and support her and lots of prayers we love you ada page you're awesome yeah. keep keep on pushing through you're gonna get through this god's an awesome healer and i know that you're gonna have lots of amazing songs to tell and just be able to share your testimony i heard last week there there um my friend danny bain said god gives us tests so we can have a testimony to share with other people to get through the same situation so i thought that was really appropriate yeah you know it when i first moved out here to waco i had ran across a musician she goes out to she comes out to nashville quite frequently and she had asked me, she had found out that I had just gotten back from Nashville and asked if I had a chance to work with Ava. And I'm like, okay, like that was the third time that that's happened. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not anywhere near Nashville right now. And right. people are still talking about her. So like next time we get out there and because yeah. we were out there in January and I really wanted to work with her, but unfortunately because of her health issues, we just couldn't quite make it work mm-hmm. because, you know, I didn't want to put her in danger of you yeah. know all that stuff so hopefully next time we come out there everything will be better and we'll get a chance to work with her but you know it's you, you know i like i keep hearing her name keeps continually getting dropped i've heard her music her music's amazing like i can't you know mm-hmm. but um so i was reading through your facebook before we jumped down here and it said or in your uh like your description or whatever it says that you played in 48 of the 50 states in the u.s mm-hmm. what are the two states you haven't played in maine and alaska okay the outer edges alaska i kind of get <laughs> because it, it's kind of like up there and very seasonal when you can actually get to alaska right. as far as but why why do you think you haven't gotten out to maine yet or just not? i've been there i just i haven't had an event there i'm still working on it so okay because Rhonda, if you want to book me for your summer party call me <laughs> nice awesome um let's go ahead and uh hear one more song before we uh kind of start wrapping the whole shindig up um what song are you thinking you're gonna play for us I'm super pumped about this song because I wrote it down in Costa Rica. I was inspired by Miss Sarah Blakely's story of how she uh, started Spanx in her dorm room, the company for women's undergarments by a woman, the first time ever. And um, she just said, I changed the world. I wanted to change the world. I did it for my dorm room. And I thought that was so cool. And I was thinking, I want to change the world. Like, she's so amazing. I want to do it too. And I just, I had the lyrics hit me and I was in Costa Rica in a hotel room waiting on the uh, event that I was playing at that night and so I wrote the lyrics down and and it's been really powerful for me to share with other girls and I love being able to see moms tear up and they're like that's like my little girl dads tear up and tell me that reminds me of my daughter or just little girls will go wait she's talking to me like they get it you know and just just to share with them that they can do whatever they want to when they grow up they 
those little dreams. And, and I think about me singing at five years old, like I didn't know that was going to be my career when I was little. And you just never know what they're doing when they're small. It could be just little seeds that God planted in them so that when they grow up, those are the things they follow. And sometimes it's completely different from what you thought, mm -hmm. like with my story. But um, I just wanted to remind them, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is or where you come from, you can, you can change the world. Awesome. The music video is coming out in a week. Okay. To the dreamer, the little princess, to the tomboy running at recess, to the prom queen or the shy team playing flute in the high school band, to the freckled face with braces, thinking that you're never gonna make it through the tenth grade. Well, keep the faith, blink your eyes, you'll be graduated. I hear what you're saying, beautiful blue jean baby, with a glitter heart of gold, somebody's gold, tears rolling down your after they break no matter what people say at the end of the day hey you can be the girl that could change the world you can be the girl that could change the world change the world change the world Teacher, all the mamas sitting in the bleachers. It ain't ever too late to have dreams to chase. You're strong enough to be a leader. I hear what you're saying. Beautiful blue jean baby with a glitter heart of gold. Somebody stole tears rolling down your face. Hearts heal after they break. No matter what people say, at the end of the day.
Awesome. Awesome. Very cool song. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you said that the uh, music video is coming out for that r next week? Yes, in about seven to ten days. So I'll be pumping it out online and promoting it on my Facebook and my Instagram. Y'all can go to Erica Sunshine Lee Music on Facebook or Erica Sunshine Lee on Instagram. And my website is ericasunshinelee.com. Awesome. Awesome. And what was, before we uh, wrap this up, what was the, how much uh, creative involvement did you have on the music video? All, all of oh. it. I just, I work so well with Josh Mendez. He's the most amazing videographer and, and he's, he's editing the whole thing. And he just has been such a blessing because he shot my music video, drinking and praying in my hometown church. He shot, um, bad bitch nobody wins in vegas give me some of that good time my new single coming out this summer california gold and um in key west he was just awesome shooting mojitos so we've worked together quite a bit georgia for this and um josh i love you you're freaking amazing like he's super talented he's down to do whatever he knows that my crazy visions are super random and i have like all these ideas and add and i'm like we're gonna do this and we're gonna get pirate ships and yachts and boats and he's looking at me like how are you going to do that? And then we're in Vegas and I'm like, we're going to have a pool party and we're going to go to casinos. We're going to go like the chapel and we're going to have, a, and he's just like, are you kidding me? You know, we've got two days. And I'm like, yeah, but, but we pull it off. I pray about it and God just makes it happen. So um, luckily I have an amazing videographer who's willing to go to any links that I have a crazy vision about. And he trusts me and I trust him and we work really well together. So it's, it's been awesome to be able to kind of collaborate and, conspiracies that I come up with in my head to say like, we're going to make this happen. And this is how I want it to look. And I know I'm super meticulous and he has been very patient to work with me because I'm like, no, I want to change this and make this look here and add this here. And we need to do this and slash it up with this or take this out. And, and um, he's just been really patient and, and awesome to work with because he's a super pro. So thanks Josh Mendez. I can't wait to share change the world. And if you haven't seen, my last video, Nobody Wins in Vegas. You can check that out on YouTube as well. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for giving me the chance to sit down and chat with you. It's been a really great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. So um, thank you. I, I, I kind of want to leave everybody with a little bit of advice. So before we, before we call it an interview, what advice do you have for younger musicians? just getting started there's so much advice that i have for younger musicians because you learn a lot along the way and i'm still not an expert but um number one don't give up if it's your passion if it's what you love um even if you can't do it full time to make a living obviously you need to have enough money coming in before you quit your day job but um if that's your goal to be a full-time musician you just have to learn that for me like it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of no's to get yeses it took me seven years to get a show booked at the Georgia theater. And I emailed them every couple months and I would call them and I'd drop a CD off. And there's a lot of venues that took a long time. And sometimes it just takes being in the right place at the right time, the right connections, but it doesn't happen overnight. And I remember playing a show in Clemson, South Carolina for five people, including my parents. And they were like, why are you playing this show? It doesn't even pay. <laughs> like it's not even worth it. And at the end of that night, I had a guy come up to me. He's like one of the five people. And he said, hey, I love your music. And he bought my CD. And he said, I, I'm in charge of this festival up in Connecticut. And so from that night, I played four of those festivals up in Connecticut. 
So oh, okay. my number one advice is believe in yourself, never give up. Number two would be you never know who's watching you. So play every single show, even those five people, because you never know who's in the audience. And number three, I would say, like be true to yourself because you can you can think people want to hear something or like the trends might change and you think like, oh, I'm too country for country. I should write like this style of music. And granted, as a songwriter, it's different from an artist because I want to appeal to the masses as a songwriter. But I think being true to yourself and sharing who you are on stage, whether it is an artist or a songwriter, you can you can definitely put yourself in different characters um, and tell stories. But I think that you always want to be like authentic because the listeners want to buy into you and they want to hear your story and they want to know who you are on and off stage. And so I think it's just so much easier when you're just who you are and, and you use that style, like the voice that God gives you, the words that God gives you and whatever talents that he has in store so that you can share them with other people. And I think that that's going to be where your success lies as long as you're as true to yourself. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, considering you're ba uh, based out of Nashville, have you had the opportunity to play at the uh, Bluebird Cafe? Yeah, I played the Bluebird, but I hadn't played at the Grand Ole Opry yet. So I'm okay. still praying for that. Right. That'll happen soon. That, that was one place I actually got to visit the last time I was in Nashville. I was talking to a guy earlier who's also based out of Nashville. And it's like, every time I come to Nashville, I never get to go visit any of these cool places. Mm -hmm. And so the last time we went, we booked a bunch of our stuff later in the day so we could go see some of these places in the morning. And the Opry is where we went. Like, it was, you know, and so it was just like, wow. If you think about all the people that have played here. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's so. pretty incredible. I mean, it's so intimidating. One of my best friends had been stocking groceries at Kroger, and she, um, her name's Carlene Watt. She's one of my favorite songwriters in town, and we just have awesome time writing all kinds of crazy songs together. And she wrote a song with Deacon off of the show Nashville. You know, it's mm -hmm. called Nashvilleionaire. So she got to make her her Opry debut singing her song that she wrote with Deacon from Nashville at nice. the Grand Ole Opry. So it, it was or at the Ryman. So yeah, it was just those are the kind of stories that you want to hear because it's mm -hmm. not always just money and greed and who you know like sometimes there are those stories that like she worked a night job stocking shelves at a grocery store for 18 years and finally got a huge cut from a huge artist and and got to sing it with the artist on stage there and, and those those are just like the, the glory days you know you just love hearing stories like that when it pays off all the hard work yeah. they never give up Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's the perfect note to end on is never give up. Um, but where can everybody uh, go, go ahead and plug your social. Where can everybody find you on social media, your new music video when so it comes out? So you can out? get the new album Bulletproof. Just go to my website, ericasunshinelee.com and you can click on store. I've also got some t-shirts, koozies, my children's book, Butterfly, even some cool new hats. Nice. And um, follow me on Instagram. I've got my Instagram is Erica Sunshine Lee and my Facebook is Erica Sunshine Lee Music. And I try to tweet and Twitter, but that's a lot for me. So yeah. if you want to follow my Twitter, it's Erica Sunshine Lee, L E, not the last E because I didn't have this one. So I'm not French. It just looks like it on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. But awesome. Go to my website, join my fan club, Erica Sunshine All the social links are there. It's the easiest one. And then that way you can. Follow along with the latest and greatest news updates and you can follow me on bands in town so you know when I come to a city near you because chances are within the next year I'll be within like an hour of where you live so you never know where I'll show up. Nice. 
Awesome. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us and uh, sharing some of your music. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you guys later. Thank y'all. Have a good night. Well, I hope you all enjoyed the uh, that jam session segment. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, it wasn't really expected for that to be a jam session. Originally, it was just scheduled as a live cast, and through some miscommunication, it be kind of became a jam session. But you know what? I really needed the uh, jam session episode, so I'm not too mad about it. You know, um, I, I was a little unprepared because the question segments that we do in a jam session versus a live cast are a little bit different but you know what i i think it works i'm really happy with it and i hope you all enjoyed it and thank you to erica for uh jumping on with us and thank you to aubrey uh, wallet actually for hooking that one up and actually that's a pretty interesting segue because today the day of recording May 6th is actually Aubrey's birthday, so happy birthday to Aubrey. I know I've already wished it to her when we released her live cast this morning, but you know what? It doesn't hurt to say it again. This will be a day late, but happy birthday again, and thank you for setting up the uh, interview with Erica. Really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. So we are going to just kind of keep trucking along here. No West for the Wicked. Wow, I don't know why I sounded like that. Um, but we've got another awesome fan feedback artist segment of the week, although it's not really our typical fan feedback artist. Uh, this was an interview that I had done, I believe it was Sunday, no, Saturday, this past Saturday, it was, uh, with an amazing, amazing artist. She is from Dublin, Ireland, but she is currently based out of Toronto And kind of due to the whole COVID-19 thing, she's kind of stuck where she is. And so, um, you know, it's one of those deals where luckily we were able to uh, kind of make it work out. Uh, We got introduced, or I was introduced to her by an old friend, Voima. She was on the live cast a few weeks ago, and she had asked me about a week or so ago if she could send a couple people my way. And this next artist was one of those people. We have Van Corvid coming up uh, as our fan feedback artist of the week. It was a great conversation. You know, this is one of the things that I really, really love about what we're doing. And the fact that we have artists that are recommending artists to us and we're getting to meet so many different types of musicians. It's absolutely mind boggling. Like. I don't even know. I I really don't even know where to begin with all of it. And I just can't thank y'all enough for for being so supportive of what we do. But this week's uh, interview segment or fan feedback segment, whatever we want to call it right now, because it's not our traditional fan feedback segment, um, is with Van Corvid. And we sit down. We have an amazing conversation. We go over hopes, dreams, fears creative process, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, we, we, we are starting to find our groove with these interviews, you know, trying to make it a little bit more fun and lighthearted as well. So, you know, we, we do that here as well. So I hope you guys really enjoy it. I I don't mean to be kind of beelining it through this, uh, uh, this episode this week, but you know what, it feels like all of our episodes for the last 
four, five, six weeks have been so long that you guys wouldn't kill me if we had a shorter episode this week. But that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Van Corbett, and we're going to jump to that right now. It's a little bit warmer today, which is great. Like yesterday was one of those weird days where it was like in the 60s and it threw everyone for a loop because it's like May, almost May, or it was almost May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're you're just counting down to the Velcro days, really. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's kind of just gray here. There's flowers if you go outdoors, but fe- going outdoors now feels like an event. Yeah. So yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things like the strange times. I was just like right now. Luckily, we're starting to slowly open things, and we got people starting to slowly go back out and do things but you know a lot of the local small businesses are electing not to open right now because you know they just don't want want to be held responsible if somebody gets sick yeah of course but so you're you're currently based out of toronto and Mm -hmm. But you're from Ireland. How did you kind of go from Ireland to Toronto? What was that? Uh, so, bit of analysis, bit of different stuff. But I started traveling when I was 14. So, it's not really something that kind of bothers me. But uh, Toronto was partly a result of meeting someone at a party and deciding to uh, eventually, after a couple of years, try being over there. But also, Ireland was in a recession. Um, you know, people were emigrating like a thousand a week at one point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I looked at anywhere in the world that had high tech employment, English speaking, reasonably high on the peace index. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Toronto came up pretty well. Oh, and minimal financial risk in comparison to London and New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, that's. So, what got you into music originally? Or what got you started in music? Um, yeah, well, my dad's a music teacher, so I've been hearing it since, you know, day one, because he has this study under my room, so every night I'd go to sleep listening to him play piano, so, which is really, really nice. Um, And then I got into playing live music, my brother gave me some pedals, and I started playing live after I went touring with this band. And you Mm. primarily play violin, correct? Yeah, I just have a real hard time connecting to any other instruments, to be honest. And so what's, you, are we, you, I'll get it out. Um, So before we had started the stream, you'd mentioned that you had just released an EP. Yeah, I did. What was that kind of creative process like for you? Uh, You, the way you'd mentioned it, or the way you had brought it up made it seem like it was a, like a last minute decision to kind of release the EP, like the way you brought it up. Yeah, yeah, it was, it okay. was. Um, so basically what happened was I had to stop performing for about six months in okay. the last year. And I, you know, wasn't planning to do anything. And one friend, my roommate's friend actually, basically they were running a fundraiser for an art car for Burning Man called mm-hmm. Ophira. Um, and it's really cool project, but they were running this night, which had a lot of rope work called love me not. And they, I mentioned that I'd always wanted to try and play while being bound to see what would happen. And they went, do you want to play? And so not then it ended up my Valentine's day, me standing in a giant welded metal pentacle 
being bound from the feet up while I performed. And luckily the sound, the guys on sound, Alex Williams, he was really great and recorded the whole thing. So then when I listened back to it, I was like, you know what? I, I might as well just release this, just, just get it out there. And, you know, now that I can't really perform, you know, I'm now just kind of releasing my back catalog. So I just also released a music video that I'd been sitting on for a couple of years. Yeah. That's what, um, Boima had mentioned when she first brought you to my attention it um, was that you were in the middle of releasing various I think she said music videos and then when mm-hmm. you brought up the EP I was like oh I kind of feel like that would have been brought up in the conversation but yeah so Boima is amazing and she basically edited my music video and you know kind of nudged me to release it and then with the EP because I hadn't really promoted the video correctly because I've really dropped the ball on that one um I don't think she was really sure of when I was going to release it and I just thought May Day is a good day so I'll just drop it then so gotcha gotcha and (laughs) so the uh the EP that you just released yesterday was this your first um like actual album recording or or your first EP that you've ever recorded or have you been have you recorded EPs before it's my it's my first own one like okay. the one that's just me um I've been on a bunch of other um musicians EPs friends of mine bands and stuff but I kind of I wanted to try and do my own work as well okay. but yeah my my major problem is finishing something and releasing it because I will just you know overthink it all the time so because it was live i knew that there wasn't anything i could do to it really so it made more sense to just dump it out there and see if people want to listen to it gotcha gotcha makes sense Mm -hmm. um and so the sorry we're kind of jumping around a little bit all over the place (laughs) but uh so we'll come back to the ep but um i was re or watching breathe yeah which i don't think is your most recent music video is it (sighs) It's the most recently released, but it was actually the first one I shot. Okay. Yeah. So what was kind of the process when you, or like, I'm very interested in the creative process just because creative people, I like to know how they think and what goes through their head. Like that, because me being creative as well, I feel like the way I do things is really left of center and so I'm always interested how other people think and process through certain things so how much creative input did you have in the music video breathe or was it all you none of you like what what was the balance in that uh good question so the person I originally talked to about it Anthony Swan he came up with a lot of the concepts for it so Essentially, um, we talked through about three different looks beforehand, where one was sort of, you know, musician gig performing. One was more, um, you know, me just on a whole bed of music, you know, kind of glam sort of stuff. And then the other was just intercutting it with really kind of personal uh, video journal stuff, because I did 100 days of practice before that. And you know, the last 10 days actually got really intense. And the final day I actually broke down on camera, which was real weird. Um, but Anthony had this really great idea of, of kind of contrasting the like super glam music video looks with this really sort of not at all glamorous private kind of video journal sort of look. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the ugly crying didn't make it in because uh, Voima messaged me after I finally tracked it down and sent it to her and she said, your ugly crying sucks. <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't really know how to <laughs> take that one. Yeah. I, I can completely understand that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but so like it's um the style is very interesting because it's done all in i think all in black and white or majority black and white yeah mostly was that something that you decided or was it more of a in post decision by whoever was editing the video or by the editor um so that was voima um a lot of that was was moved to black and white or muted color palette for sure um Partly because the equipment we had for this particular shoot was my DSLR, which isn't the most amazing quality. And so some of the footage didn't come out as well as could have done with, you know, better equipment, but mm-hmm. shoestring. And, uh, you know, so Voima took some creative decisions with that, and I'm really grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that's really cool. Like, it, it's as somebody that likes to experiment with the the black and white look it's always interesting seeing the reactions you get when it comes out in black and white because a lot of people expect everything to be in color these days and then when you just come out of left field with something that's all black and white it's you know i feel like it's on brand for me because you know corvids you know not usually the colorful ones mm-hmm. yeah. um so obviously with the pandemic and all this fun stuff that we're all kind of going through um and you kind of decided to release the ep just kind of not on a whim but at the last minute what what how do i want to word this how has the pandemic kind of affected your release schedule? Because I know you're kind of in the process of releasing several music videos, at mm-hmm. least according or when I was talking to Voima, that's what she had mentioned. Yeah. And that's something that you've had planned, correct? Planned out? It was semi-planned, yeah. So essentially, I, I had a bad uh, time last year and kind of my entire schedule just went away. Mm-hmm. So Voima and I had a tentative schedule planned for different music videos, and then the pandemic happened and got worse. My a couple of my family members actually got sick, so I flew back to Ireland. Okay. And uh, you know, came back. You know, four weeks of quarantine. It's uh, it kind of makes it difficult to think about releases because it makes things feel very like things like releases feel kind of more trivial when you're just like you know, but do, who do I need to check in on? You know. Yeah. yeah. So. And and it feels a little crass, you know. People are terrified and scared, and you're like, "Hey, I I made stuff. Listen to my stuff." Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, that's. But then again, music can can help heal or help people forget about some of their problems. You know, some. You know, it, it's a it's a mixed bag of of um, people are going through some really personal things right now and but people still have to make a living you know it, it's a weird time we're all in you know yeah for sure but, so you primarily play violin and you said that was like the only thing that you were ever really drawn to 
correct? Yeah, pretty much. Um, my fa- if I had gone with my family who are musicians, uh, instrument choice, I would have played clarinet and piano. And I decided, I don't even remember where I saw a violin and went that, I want that, but I was eight and um, picked it up and kind of didn't want to put it back. So mm. yeah, I'm, I'm terrible with practice, but I'm still very uh, deeply attached to it. So my violin got snapped last year. Okay. And I only just got it back from flying back during the pandemic to get it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So getting it back was, was a real kind of win for that because it just turned 100 years this year, which is really nice. Oh, the, your violin? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. So apparently that's when instruments get their soul. Nice. Uh, what's kind of the history of the violin or do you know like where it came from and the history of it since it's got kind of a lineage behind it? Um, I don't know who else owned it, but I know it was made in Paris in 1920. Okay. And I've had it last couple of decades. Okay. So, you know, it's it's traveled around with me a lot. Nice. Yeah. And so you are, um, what's, what's the difference in the independent music, or in the music scene from Ireland to Canada? Is there a huge difference or what's kind of the difference? Oh gosh, yeah, there's definitely a difference. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the Irish music scene is absolutely tons of talent and not very much funding unfortunately. Like, funding for the arts has never been amazing. It's, you know, there is some, but, you know, a lot of musicians, like, they're expected to play for free, of course, like everywhere. Um, A lot of places may have a musician, but, you know, they're not necessarily paid, or there's a lot of kind of expectation of free culture. Same as here. Uh, I think there's some amazing artwork coming out of Ireland at the moment. Uh, Some of my friends are dropping amazing stuff, like Nisha Rue just released another EP but you know I think the pandemic has really hit a lot of people very hard mm-hmm. um, especially if you perform like the amount of competition right now for live streams for anything like that is fierce as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Canada's music scene I find maybe it's more the circles I was inhabiting but I find that there's more emphasis on beats and production. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely I find more hip-hop presence here than in Ireland. Um, which I love because that's what I was playing with for a while. I still play sometimes with a band called Doesn't Matter. They're Canadian kind of, yeah, they're great. But yeah, I find music scene here, people are very curious, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of my shows, I try and do something that's a bit left field or, you know, kind of, it doesn't sound like your standard description. Mm-hmm. And people have been pretty open to that. So that's that's really good. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's... Yeah. um. It's always interesting getting the perspective of different music scenes and how people react to certain music. And you said when you brought up that Canada has a pretty decent hip hop scene, mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting because it was like, oh, I would have never, never thought. But then again, like, I mean, I guess you got some pretty big names that have come out of Toronto. So I guess that kind of makes some sense as well. So. Yeah, I mean, there's some amazing independent performers that I happen to to know about, and just like, I suppose the underground scene. Well, I don't, I don't even know how, what what counts as underground anymore. But um, you know, live music scene is yeah. is really good here. So that's been really good to see. Awesome. Um, and have you had a chance to come 
to the U.S. and play at all, or do you primarily just stay in Canada? And so I haven't ever played in the U.S., partly because uh, I haven't worked at visas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I was thinking of doing it, like I went and, you know, went to a group of friends and played in their house, but that's not exactly a gig. That's like going to someone's house. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was in Long Island, gosh, last year. Wow, times have changed. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'd love to, absolutely, but it's more I wouldn't, it's kind of difficult for me to know what venues would be interested in having me there, just because what I do tends to be a little bit odd. <laughs> yeah. So. I understood. And not the, the fear of not knowing how, I, I don't want to say different, a, a, how certain genres that maybe don't fit to a, your standard norm, like that don't fit to like classical or hip hop or country, mm-hmm. you know, just don't fit to your like standard norms. It, it's always kind of hard to, to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go do a tour. Yeah. But I have no idea how they're going to do this music because, you know. Yeah. I like, I, I, I toured before with a different band who did kind of uh, folk rock stuff. And I remember playing to an empty room and they had a different event on the downstairs in the bar. And so we, they just sent up a bunch of beers. We got kind of tipsy and decided to just start jamming out. And they came up and said, could you please not do that? Mm. So, wow. yeah, when, when you pick the wrong venue, it's, it's really... Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's not bad. It's just a little bit like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. guess I'll just Charlie Brown walk out of here. Yeah, we had a there was a guy. I was living in New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico for about four years before mm-hmm. I moved and then moved again. Um, and there was this guy that came in from New New Orleans, and he was playing a coffee shop like this little. Mainly, they do like solo acoustic stuff. Mm-hmm. And he comes in with this like gritty mix between southern rock and blues. Okay. But, but he's got um he's got a very out there personality, like very aggressive, very uh he was trying to be funny, but it wasn't working because people didn't understand his sense of humor. And mm. so, like, it, he was sitting there playing, and there's like a room of maybe twenty of us, and we were just all staring at him because he, like, like it was just uncomfortable. And it's like, okay, th- this is not fun. Like, oh no, yeah. oh no. I mean, at least yeah. he had people sitting there, but it was also people that are like, you're playing this loud, aggressive music, and we just want to sit here and enjoy our coffee. Yeah. Like, like tone it down a little bit there, you know. It's a there's definitely a read the room um which is one reason why I used to really like setting up my own shows because it's my room I'm setting it up so people coming in know like exactly what they're getting into you know Mm -hmm. if there are people being body painted in that show you'll know I'll tell you Mm -hmm. I'll be very excited about it you know but I'm not going to open up in a in a coffee shop with I'm going to sing a song about a nuclear village now Yeah. yeah yeah but um so one one with ev- everybody having a little bit more free time right now, like obviously you a little bit less because you're still working your nine to five, mm-hmm. but you're also not playing live gigs, so you still have a little bit more free time. 
Are you doing anything to challenge yourself musically or experiment with new sounds? I am actually. Yeah, good question. So I have a Zoom 50G pedal, which allows me to create different effects. And what I've been doing is just coming up with new sounds that I can do with it. So, you know, I've, uh, I've got it set up over here. I can even show you like there's one where I just do one tap and it turns into this little mini soundscape. It's really spooky. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And so that, so just kind of experimenting with the pedal, that's pretty much what you're well, that and getting back into practice, really, because, you know, I didn't have my violin for a good while. I had a rental, but it was just that very slightly different where, you know, the way if you pick up a different instrument and there's slight differences, things take a while to adjust. Mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of getting back into that groove as well. Nice. And um, how's, well, I get, this is going to sound like a little bit of a weird question, but since you, like, uh, had your main violin and then you had to switch over to a rental was there like a distinct difference in the sound like or how you played definitely yeah yeah um because just tiny physical changes mean that over time your sound is going to be different um in terms of violin tone and all that like you know like people talk about different violins having like this amazing tone and yeah they do but it really is very it wouldn't be discernible to someone who doesn't listen to that music all the time mm -hmm. like same way with with any kind of connoisseurs of anything yeah you know like to some people it's like a 18 year old malt barrel aged or single malt whiskey and uh and to some people it's, it's whiskey yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't really care which whiskey you gave them you know yeah so um yeah but there is there are some ingredients to the tone like stradivarius the reason that their tone is irrep um you can't replace it is replicated because um, some of the varnish contained ash from a particular time period in Mount Vesuvius's eruption oh, in 18th wow. century. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I am, I am full nerd about violence. Nice. That's awesome. It's, um, because like, I mean, I was inner, like I was very aware of violins and what they sounded like because like growing up in high school, we had like concert band and quite like the various different bands so we had like violin they had like violin players anytime we did like uh, like a pep rally or something you know they would there'd be mm -hmm. like a concert thing so i was very aware but when i started um when i really started having a appreciation for violins and even uh fiddle players was mm. when i started listening to bluegrass music yeah and i started knowing like you're probably going to crucify I'm I, I don't want to misspeak but like it violin and fiddle is pretty much the same instrument correct yeah they are yeah, okay perfect. yeah that's I, cool I, yeah but the one thing that I've noticed is and my my sound engineer Jeff is, uh, has pointed it out as well that we can see who's been classically trained and who hasn't been classically trained Oh, yeah. It's all about how they hold the violin or the fiddle. Yep, because, posture. Um, there, there's this one girl in Florida. She plays, she was trained as a violinist, and then she started playing fiddle, like, you know, whatever. Mm. And you could see her um, posture. So she's, like, very upright. And then we see this guy from Nashville who trained himself, and he's very, like, his shoulder or his elbow is tucked in and very in front of 
mm-hmm. everything. So that, that's just a very interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. The thing is you're, you're inclined to kind of hunch over because it's easier. It's like the same way when you're sitting at a computer, mm-hmm. but um, violin teachers will just hammer you for years to keep that going. Main reason is sustainability mm-hmm. because if you keep that posture straight, it means that you can play for a longer time. Whereas if you're hunched over, you're going to do more damage and actually minimize the amount of time you can play. That's re- that's usually the reasoning behind it more. There's a lot more to that than we can really go into here, but mm-hmm. that's at least part of it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Who um, who taught you how to play violin or where'd you, did, were you self-taught or did you go into, did you take like classes and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I had a, uh, my longest ter- term teacher was Al Kles. He's uh, still operating out in Israel. Um, I studied in the Acad- Royal Irish Academy in Ireland um, for about 10 years or so. Um, during that time, I was in a bunch of orchestras as well. Um, went to Italy briefly to study there as well, a couple of years in a row with some violin friends. And also just, you know, um, string quartets, competitions, that kind of thing. But I only got into live music actually once I you know, was in college and then graduated right into a recession. So the only job I could get was touring with a band. Was that 2008, 2009, that time? Uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit after that, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Gotcha. Was, yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, I, uh, I took me a little bit longer in school, so I kind of was still in school when the full-on recession hit, and then when I came out, of school the the economy was starting to come back a little bit so it was like okay skip that one great so so no getting in a van for you then yeah absolutely one i can't i haven't been able to or i don't play any instrument right now i am trying to figure out trying to figure something out because everybody else that's in like on this side of live and amplified mm-hmm plays some sort of instrument like Jeff our sound engineer he's a drummer oh sweet who's kind of jumps between video and sound he's a bass player guitar player he plays upright bass and like electric bass you know so he just kind of plays everything and they keep talking about wanting to start a little live and amplified house band of some sort and it's like okay well let me do it let me figure out what I can do it just get a guitar Everyone loves a guitar. No, actually, it, it's the one thing that we want to do when we've talked about it is start a bluegrass band, and I want to play fiddle. Okay. And cool. so, it, you know, it's it, it's an interesting conversation that we always have because every year we go down to a bluegrass festival in January down in the Florida Keys, mm-hmm. and um, one year we went, and there was like this super expensive. Bugatti Veyron car deal sitting in a bait shop like so like in the parking lot of a bait shop like this hole in the wall bait shop who does this very rich people apparently. <laughs> um, and so we had the idea of writing a song called Bugatti in a bait shop about no matter how and basically the whole idea of the song is no matter how rich you are you still got to enjoy the little things yeah, I like so that. The, the, when we went this past January, it was like, okay, we're going to do this. And so now I've been tasked with, I have, would they say, 18 months to learn how to play 
Hello? It's definitely doable. Um, what I'd say is if you're planning to learn, um, practice mutes are going to be a really good friend of yours. Mm -hmm. And um, do your best to just ignore how you sound for the first while. Mm -hmm. Just just for, you know, because otherwise it's with violin it, it can, and it can be a little bit unforgiving if you're playing and you're having a bad day and it just, it will not let you away with it. Like with, with other instruments, it's, yeah. Except I'm learning left-handed violins are a lot more expensive than right-handed. You know, you're the second person to come up with left-handed, to mention left-handed violins, and I had never heard of them before coming to Canada. No. I did not know they existed. Um, but that's cool that you're a kid, though. Yeah. Well, because I have very limited mobility of my left hand. Oh, I see. Uh, so, like, I'd have to use that to, as the bow, so I couldn't, like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm or hold the strings down so i'd have to do that here yeah um so i've been trying to find a left-handed violin and i can i find them occasionally on amazon but they're like they're like 60 dollars, and i'm really worried that it's like a cheap toy that i'm buying that is suspiciously cheap um what i might suggest actually does it have to be acoustic no it doesn't necessarily have to be I'd look into Vipers. Okay. They're five string. Um, they're really good for a lot of professional violinists I know because they don't put strain on your back and shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, so you end up in a lot less physio. Mm -hmm. And I and they look like you could just switch it from either side. Mm -hmm. So I would try one of those. That was what my original thought was with violin because I know it's you got like the, the plate right there and it's like, well, it looks like you just kind of swap it to the other side. Like, mm -hmm. but apparently... No, that's not the case. I mean, I honestly, I know very little about them, so I, I don't think I could comment, but the, the, because Vipers, you don't put your head on them, you, they're on like your shoulder, oh, then that might eliminate that. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that. Yes, I'll send you a link after this. Okay, awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it's, so it's just one of those things, and like, I tried to play the trumpet when I was in fourth grade, mm -hmm. like just because... I was in music class one or like in where I went to school, everybody had to take a music class. Mm -hmm. And so like the band director came in and was like, Hey, who's interested in joining the fourth grade band? And I'm like, I guess I am. And so they were like, well, how would you like to play trumpet? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. You know? And then just like the issue was, I just, in, in fourth grade, I didn't have the patience to practice, so. Who does, though? Yeah. You know, like, instilling that level of discipline when you're a kid is just difficult, yeah. you know? I'm still working on it. Yeah. But, like, part of me now is kind of like, man, I wish I would have stuck it out. I might be a dynamite trumpet player, but <sighs> I was also in fourth grade, and so I can't, like, you know, I just can't hold it against myself because I was so young you know yeah and I don't know whenever I hear that I wish I'd stuck it out and it's like yeah but you know you didn't so it's it's kind of the oh I could have been great if I'd stuck it out it's like yeah but your aunt could also be a bus if she had wheels so what yeah <laughs> you know it's not it's not commenting on you I just mean like because I, I I've heard that a few times from people just like you know if I'd done this I'm like yeah but you didn't yeah. <laughs> so and, you know, so right now I think I'm finally in a place where I can finally 
understand the importance of practice and I can dedicate myself to that practice. And I've talked to several musicians that they're like, dude, you're only 33 or 32. Uh, I didn't start playing whatever their instrument was until I was 40, you know, like just be, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that because I mean, two things. One is picking up an instrument just is not ever, you might as well, I suppose the first thing. And second is like, I feel like whenever you pick up an instrument or pick up a new thing, there's this real drive or urge or, 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 feeling pressure to like make it productive, make it really good, like the best it's ever been. You know, you have to be amazing, but you don't. You can just do it because you like it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I'm definitely not in it to become some, a professional musician. I'm just in it to pick up a new hobby. Like that's kind of my mindset. And the live and amplified thing is awesome and I love doing it. And so, just kind of keeping that going. And if this is something that the three of us can kind of do on the side when we're sitting by a campfire and it's like, Hey, you got your, you know, whatever, let's, let's do something. Let's just kind of hang out and jam and have a good time, you know, because Mm -hmm. I love sitting around watching people having a jam session just because it's really authentic and people are just kind of, they're in the moment enjoying what they enjoy they're not there for the business aspect of things they're not there for the industry aspect of things they're there because they love music mm-hmm. so. man i i hope you get to see arlen sometime for that just there's some really good bars with that where it's just the entire day is just a group of people playing live music just nice. working stuff out nice. yeah we definitely want to travel internationally um it's one of those things where it's we're kind of struggling to figure out where we want to go first because it's like, oh, hey, we've got a bunch of connects over in Sydney, Australia. Oh, we've got a bunch of connects over here in London. Oh, hey, we're starting to get a following in Ireland, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, but we can't do all three at once because that's expensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's a matter of trying to figure out where we want to go first, but... You know, we're kind of, everything's kind of pandemic pending right now. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I was lucky to fly out of Ireland when I did, and it was my third attempt at a flight out of the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the first one just straight got canceled. I didn't get a message about it, which fair enough, like that's happening left, right and center. And then the second one, I got to the airport desk and they said, uh, do you have a green card or a U.S. passport? And I was like, no, they're like, you can't come, you can't fly this. And I'm like, I'm just connecting. They're like, no, you can't land at all. So yeah, I had to wait a few days and then go through London to get back to Toronto. So. Oh, because you were going through New York or whatever. Boston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which was crazy because like it was rescheduled, thankfully in a hurry. And in the like four days between when it got rescheduled, I went from being permitted to connect through the U S to not. Oh, wow. Like, four days and it totally changed wow that's it was nuts mm-hmm. so yeah pandemic oh i think i'm losing you yeah oh there you go okay you're oh. 
Sorry, yeah, I think you, you, I've, my internet connection might be a little bit unstable. Apologies. Oh, it's all good. You're good. Um, so you're, you finally, or you're back in Toronto now, and mm -hmm. everything's kind of pandemic pending. Where, what's the next release you have planned? It, it's another music video, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's one for a song that's already out called Summon. Okay. That's going to be out. Um, I just have like three little edits left. I don't have a specific date planned. Okay. I should. Um, and then I have another track that I shot the video for and didn't record yet because my laptop decided to die okay. in the pandemic. It, it, it caught the virus. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, so I have to work on recording that and then release that as well. So I, I do still have some stuff, you know, to work on, but... Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a different year than I anticipated for sure. Gotcha. How many um, videos do you think you'll release throughout the next couple of months? Do you have, do you have a certain number in mind or is it just kind of whatever you have? Um, I've got two that are probably ready, will be ready within the next couple of months. Okay. So I think those two for now, that's a good start. Mm -hmm. And then after that seeing, because like, it's not like I'd be able to shoot very much right now that wasn't, you know, on my phone in my apartment, which is one of my music videos, yeah. but you know, it's, it's definitely a, a look. So I'll, I think pandemic pending is, is really my attitude right now as well. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and so one of the things that we really like to do here is uh, pass on knowledge to younger musicians. We oh, brilliant. Make sure that they, we're bringing them values and giving them a reason or making sure that they're starting off on the right foot or coming mm -hmm. in, in the right mind frame. So the, the initial question I always like to ask is what advice do you have for younger musicians just starting out? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, a lot. Okay. Um, I think the best thing you can do is, and this is going to sound horribly cliche, but do your best to be kind. Okay to people, um, to yourself. It's a big one as well. Don't, don't beat yourself up for things you don't know. Um, do your best to do your research. You know, um, I, I think that there's a real kind of protection of knowledge in the music industry in some ways. Like it can be difficult to sort of get to grips with things, but try to, you know, find mentors in the community, um, particularly. And I suppose younger musicians, um, try to make sure that you don't get yourself into a position you can't get out of. Mm -hmm. So one thing I did learn from touring was to have an emergency fund of money socked away that no one else knows about, no one can access. And that way, if things get bad or something happens, always something will happen. Uh, make sure that you're able to handle it because I at one point got trapped in a situation and ran out of money while touring and you know I had to leave at a certain point it got too bad and it was only because I'd been socking away money editing books while on the road that I was able to actually get out of there on time. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my biggest advice for younger musicians particularly any musicians who feel vulnerable um, because of anything like their background, their gender, their, their you know anything, their stature. Um, if you feel vulnerable, make sure that you have some kind of protection socked away that people don't know about. That's my advice. The ability um, to get away if you to get away if you need to. 
Yeah, and that sounds really grim, yeah. but it's better to have that and have that cushion somewhere rather than walking into a situation not knowing if you'll be able to handle it, make it out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's grim, but it's a re- it's a very real reality, especially this day and age. Like, yeah, knowing your way out if you need to have a way out. Yeah, and I mean, I even. I still hold to that now. And I think that everyone should have that regardless of what profession they go into. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, particularly now, this is really showing us how stable a lot of things that we had in the status quo were, and they're really not, you know? So yeah, that would, that would definitely be my advice for anybody starting out. And the other thing is that really like you're looking as a young artist and, and if you're probably setting up as independent, most people are, and that's my experience mm-hmm. uh, that I'm speaking from, but like, you have to be prepared to be like several people at once. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be your own marketing. You have to be your own promoter, writer, band, like album artist, mm-hmm. um, agent, everything. So, you know, you got to in some ways treat some of it at least like a job. If you don't, then, you know, you can't really get mad about not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's actually really good advice as well about being prepared to be multiple people because I've there's this one musician that's based out of New Mexico. She's very good at switching from one person, one being one person to another. Like when one of my first experiences working with her, she went from being her own in the matter of about 45 seconds. She was sound checking herself. And then like whoever was hosting the show. So she sound checked herself. The host came on, she picked up her phone and she was promoting her show for the next day on Facebook because I had gotten an alert saying that she had posted something. Mm-hmm. And then she had took a phone call booking a show for later that week. That's amazing. And then, then like with all within 45 seconds and then she started playing and it's like, wait a minute, how did you just do that? Like you just shifted four gears. Mm-hmm in the matter of 45 seconds. Like yeah. I, there's no way I could have been able to do that. Like it's, it's really interesting to watch people that know that they have to be prepared to do that stuff and are actually really good at it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, some musician friends of mine are absolutely amazing at it. Like way better than I am. Like I'm aware that you need to be all these things. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm actually good at doing all of those things at all. And you know, the switching gears can get really exhausting. So I suppose the other piece of advice is just be aware of how tired you actually are. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause like if you're, if you're too exhausted, you're going to give yourself a bigger problem. Yeah. And that's actually still something that I struggle with, even like just on the, on doing what we do, mm-hmm. just not knowing when I need to go to bed. Cause yeah. And it, it like it started off as a joke to my mom because I was I was telling her she was like so like when like a year or two ago she was asking me she was like so where do you want to take this like is it the goal to make it a full time thing and like make mo- or like make a living from it and I was like yeah that's the goal but my biggest fear is if I go full time with this I'm not going to get any sleep and she's like well why do you say that and I'm like well because when I get into my zone of working, I forget what time it is. And then mm-hmm. once I finally come out, it's 
four o'clock in the morning and then I got to go to work like you know then I got to get up by a certain time and right now because I have a nine to five job I'm a lot more aware of what time it is because it's like okay I get off of work at seven I have to be in bed by midnight because I got to be ready for work by eight you know so like Mm -hmm. I'm very aware and if I don't have that set schedule now that all goes out the window. Like there might be times where I stay up for three days straight, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so that's still something that I struggle with. So fun fact, actually, um, one of my friends, Kathleen, she's amazing musician, also hairdresser, also Muay Thai fighter, but that's not the point. She is like that. She works for herself. And the thing that actually fighter, Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. I thought you said Thai fighter. I'm like, wait, what? Okay, go ahead. No, that, that would be, that would open up questions anyway. Um, no, but the thing that actually got her to set up a routine was actually getting a dog. Okay. Because the dog is going to remind you, Hey, I want to go for a walk. Hey, feed me. And then when you feed them, you probably feed yourself. And then, you know, you get fresh air, all that stuff. That's actually really good advice. And you're not the first person to tell me that, like that I need a dog. I mean, I just think, I think dogs are great. I mean, also cats, if you can find a cat that also annoys you to go outside and do the things, that's also good. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I probably need to start looking into and figuring out a way to make that happen. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's like, I've got so many goals and aspirations right now that maybe a dog's not the most responsible thing to do yeah but I mean yeah I mean the other thing as well is right now you know we can't really go anywhere or do very much so yeah very true very true yeah um but yeah I like I I don't want to keep you too much longer because it's Saturday afternoon even pandemic pending you know it's it's still Saturday um what's I, I guess I'll ask the big question and it'll kind of spawn off into a few more questions after it, but why music? Oh, good question. Um, it's the only thing that makes me feel anything. Okay. Um, there's always music in my head and I often can't express things unless I put them through music. So I don't know if a lot of people have this, but I don't always know exactly how I feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes music helps me sort of unsnarl that. Do you remember the first song that you heard that really spoke to you as a musician? Oof. Um, I don't know, because I've been listening to music so, so, so long. Um, that it honestly, it's, I suppose, Rachmaninoff. Um, you know, because I grew up with classical music, but when you're a kid, they give you the, the, the nice, major, jolly kind of stuff. And I then got into Rachmaninoff's piano concertos, like two and three. And, you know, I think that was a turning point because I'd never heard anyone hurt an instrument mm-hmm. in the same way that he did. You know, like Beethoven is loud and you've got Tchaikovsky's dramatic, but Rachmaninoff will try and knife the music. Hmm. And it was just a sense that like the feelings that I have, I used to think that they were too 
you know, toxic or bad or contaminating for writing music. But then when I heard his music, I was like, no, 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 you can and you can make it beautiful. And that was really, I think, the turning point, you know, up until then it was sort of like, I felt like it, music was just this awe-inspiring thing above me that I could only just really look up at and, and play the work of other people. But then, you know, hearing that made me think, okay, maybe, maybe I don't have to be overwhelmed by this. I can take mastery of it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So. That's wonderful. Um, and then from, from there, we usually parlay into a little bit more of a lighthearted side of the interview. Um, so I, I, I like to ask uh, very random questions. There's, there's something we've been experimenting with where we just ask random questions, and it, it, it'll, it brings out some uh, interesting, que- or interesting responses. All right. So what is your guilty pleasure song that you're currently listening to? Oh gosh. Um, actually it's, I've got it on repeat here. It's Rennie Rucci. Um, fuck em up sis. Okay. Um, it's just, it's really, it's got a really fat bass and it's really good. And just like, if you're feeling like you're not maybe at your best looking right now, it makes you feel a lot better. Um, so that's my guilty pleasure. If you had the attention of the world for 30 seconds, what would you say? <laughs> oh, man. I, my first thought was something stupid, like these aren't my real tits, but that's, that's like played out. I would, God, 30 seconds. Um, I would say probably everyone is just as scared as you are right now. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, 30 seconds is a long time when you get down to it. So if I had time to prepare, I would have like a list. If I just had a chance to speak for 30 seconds, it would just be a case of we all know really what baseline this is going to end up as. We are just squabbling over the silly remnants. We need to stop. Um, but it's it just reminds me of that uh, Samuel Beckett play, Not I. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No, I haven't. So it's... Um, <laughs> It's a five, 15 minute play, but it's just a spotlight on somebody's mouth. The rest of their face is plain to black. The entire screen is in black, but it's someone just speaking continuously and almost nonsensically for 15 minutes. The whole point of it is that if someone was given the chance to speak once in their life for 15 minutes, how would it sound? Awesome. Um, what's the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone dared you to do it? Oh my God. Uh, you know, the problem is actually, I didn't even get dared to do it. I just did it to see what would happen. Um, that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm worse. I'm the worst. I will dare myself just to be like, what will happen? But, um, one that I do, one, which actually fun story. I don't, I didn't remember this until someone told me I ran into an Irish person in Toronto who knew me from way back when. Mm -hmm. And his abiding memory of me was we passed a bus shelter that had been shattered with the safety glass shattering, you okay. know, so the glass is all in little chunks. And for some reason, I decided to scoop up two full handfuls of it okay. to see if it would cut me. Okay. And that was his abiding memory of me. So that's probably, that's one of the dumber things I've done. Um, but da- like, I don't, I genuinely don't recall ever being dared to do something. Yeah, maybe I'll just blank the memories. I don't know. The, the, the break, picking up broken glass just does seem a bit, 
dumb as heck. So I thought that was a pretty good one. Gotcha. Do you have any hidden talents? Ooh, um, hidden talents. I, I really like to cook. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's something that kind of surprises people um, because, you know, they'll come over and I'll be like, I've been working on this sauce for hours. Um, and yeah, that's something I really enjoy. Hidden talents other than that. Um, makeup? You wouldn't know right now, but I'm, I, I usually have to do all my own stage makeup, so I have to kind of manage that as well. Oh, and I can make my fingers do a thing where, like, I just bend the top joint on all four. Oh. It looks... Yeah. That's, 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 a, that's yeah. a hidden talent. Yeah. Final question. What was your least favorite chore to do as a kid? Ooh. Um, sewing. Like, sewing, mending things, that kind of thing. Despise it. Um, also, just gross wash, washing up. Yeah. 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 But apart from that, um, yeah, what, what kind of answers do you get with that? Uh, actually the least favorite chore one, that was the first time I've ever asked that one. Um, the 30 seconds, attention of the world for 30 seconds. It's usually, they either take it really seriously and they have some profound thought or it's something just really random and probably, yeah. Uh, and then... The uh, the cover um, guilty pleasure song. It's actually never like from my standpoint. It's never seems to be like a guilty pleasure song because they name somebody like, oh, I'm listening to like Leonard Skinnerd right now, and it's like, I mean, that's not really where I'm going with the question. It's I mean. Like, yeah, I, like to be fair, I think Rennie Rucci's an amazing artist because any artist who makes it, I'm gonna say by default, amazing. But like, it's something that people wouldn't expect to hear from me, so that's why I tend to bring it up. Yeah, yeah, and th that's kind of what I what I like to hear because uh, sometimes people ask me what my song is, and so like I have to come up with a different answer all the time because if mm -hmm. I'm given the same answer, it's like, well. You know, I can't be listening to the same guilty pleasure song for the last three years. That's not you. Cool. You can. You absolutely can. But what's yours? Uh, it is "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus. Nice, so. nice. Look, yeah. you know what? I, I feel like the guilty pleasure songs are always like the fun, cheery. You know, I'm doing a sexy montage kind of songs. Yeah. And I got my, I got Jeff probably yelling at the monitor right now and saying, "No, it's Nickelback. <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> listening to Nickelback." Because the first road trip we ever went on, we we went. I was living in New Mexico at the time, mm -hmm. and we went down to Florida. So we packed. We just packed up my car in a hurry with the intent of once we got to my parents' place, mm -hmm. that we were going to take everything out and repack. And mm -hmm. so once we did that, once we got to my parents' place, we took everything out. We started repacking, and he found an unopened CD of Nick or a Nickelback CD sitting in like the back of my car and he took a picture of it and posted it on social media no. and he's like I don't know if I can ride with this guy anymore he listens to Nickelback and I'm like it's not even opened at what point do you think I actually listened to Nickelback it is a closed CD like and so it's just funny because I I mean, not gonna lie, I did go through a nickelback phase when I, I was 
everyone did. In my you know, early I, 20s, I, 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 when we, when I was in college yeah. and stuff, Nickelback. Look, I don't think they were that bad. No, they were cliche. Yeah. It, that's what the issue was. They they were just like, yeah, yeah. But, um. So yeah, yeah. You know, it, no, it's like just, that doesn't you know mean bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel. I sometimes feel bad that Nickelback get this much hate because I'm just like, oh, but they, they tried. Like there was one song that that got me, which was the one that was in Spider Man Two, and that was the point I went off them, and I was just kind of like, just because of the lyrics, it was like they'll be killing and blood spilling, and I was like, oh God, that's like the lyrics to My Lovely Horse. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so it, I'm sure he's yelling at the computer screen right now, saying, "No, oh, you love Nickelback. Stop lying." <laughs> And it's like, yeah, but I feel like it takes a little bit more courage to admit that I listen to Miley Cyrus. Yeah. I mean, you know, she had some good stuff. Can't really can't really argue with that. Back in the day, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even yeah. even now her stuff isn't that bad. Like it it's grown out of the Disney pop phase into a more interesting area. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of artists where I don't necessarily listen to their stuff, but I'm not going to fault it musically because, you know, you could like that's I remember, you know, when you get into studying classical music, you know, in third third level education or anything like that, there's just such a, a you know, a belief that there is an absolute perfect setup that you can reach, but you never do because you're too stupid, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I remember one friend telling me they submitted a Bach counterpoint and they got a B and it's Bach. Like it's amazing. And you're just kind of like, okay, so what standard are you holding to here? Like who has ever hit your standard? Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where you have to differentiate your preference versus actual skill. Yeah. Just because you don't like something doesn't make it not good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think I, you know, whenever I see people performing live, just like the way you were mentioning your your friend earlier, like you just kind of watch them operate and you're like, that is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it took me so long to learn how to set up my own rig, mm-hmm. everything. And I'm still like, I have so much to learn. Um, what's, uh, what's, do you have anything kind of, are you trying to start planning out shows for once everything kind of loosens up or are you do you have anything that's far enough in the schedule that might have a chance of getting played or well uh the only thing that's tentatively suggested is i was meant to go to ireland to fly to coventry and play this music festival Mm -hmm. with my collaborator attrition and they are talking about rescheduling it to september so there's a very small chance that i may try and get to coventry for september i'm not holding out hope Okay. You know, I think this year is going to be a year to get really good at live streaming, put out a lot of content, um, make connections, just, but look, really it's going to be hunkering down and preparing. Yeah. 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 Because I, I mean, and that brings up another whole series of questions that we could get into is mm-hmm. what are you doing to take advantage? What are you doing to prepare yourself for life post pandemic? Like, are you, are you doing a lot of writing right now so that you could jump right into the studio or are you like redesigning logo? Like, what are you doing to kind of make sure that once everything lifts, you're ready to hit the ground running and 
take advantage of? Uh, good question. Actually, funny enough, the thing I'm doing to prepare most is I'm sleeping a lot more. I'm working out, um, practicing violin a lot so that the tone is actually good so that when I go to loop, it actually works. Um, given my laptop is still busted right now and I don't know when I'm going to be able to get it fixed or if it needs replacing, mm -hmm. writing is now much more me improvising over and over and just listening to it and kind of trying to see where I want to go next with it. Because mm -hmm. I do have an EP that I want to release, which originally started as an EP. Now it's looking like it's going to be a whole album of songs. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know... And then the other thing is just like, you know, the, the unsexy side of it, which is budgeting for anything mm -hmm. I plan to do, you know, because like, I don't, you know, putting together any kind of release, as you know, it, it costs, you know, there's, you know, mastering time, promotion, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to do it, I want to really do that well and mm -hmm. not just kind of throw it out last minute like I just did. Maybe yeah. I should, uh, you know, learn from my my mistakes so that's really what my year is going to be okay awesome awesome um so where can everybody find you on social media find your new music find your new music videos you know all that fun stuff uh so it's van corvid across the board okay. uh instagram facebook Bandcamp. so on Bandcamp, my latest ep is there i'm gonna throw it up on spotify and and the other channels in the next few days but I wanted to give Bandcamp that because they've been amazing to artists mm -hmm. um, the last while. Like just, you know, waving their share of the profits has been a really nice thing. Yeah. Um, and then Facebook, their vancorvid.com is also my website. I've been writing things like tips for pandemics and such. So mm -hmm. given that there isn't really much else to do, I'll probably be writing more about that. And also given I can't go anywhere, I'm going to be releasing all of the behind the scenes stuff for the last shoots, for the last few shows, everything like that. So I'm basically like, it would be easier for me just to give people my Dropbox password and just like, go through it, have fun, ask me questions if you have them. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. uh, thank you so much for giving me, uh, giving us your time. Uh, really appreciate getting the chance to sit down and chat with you. Um, it was funny last night when you messaged me, it was like, Hey, did you mean 1am? <laughs> I'm like, Oh damn. No, I'm sorry. Hold on. No, it's cool. I was just like, like, no, just because sometimes I do have conversations with people in different time zones. And I was like, I just want to be sure. I don't want to leave you hanging. Yeah. No, no, no. no. It, it was, uh, it, that, that's what it was, was I had a interview this morning at 3am Oh my gosh. With uh, somebody from Sydney, Australia, because she needed to do it later in the day for her time. And I'm like, okay, well, here's what I'll do is I'll, I'll I had one last night um, earlier in the evening and I was like, okay, so I'll do that. I'll go take a nap and then I'll wake up at three, do the interview, go back to bed and, you know, just kind of that whole thing. And so while I was, I was sitting there, I was like, okay, I need to put this on Facebook schedule. So a people know, and mm -hmm. B, I know when I got things coming up. And mm -hmm. then so I built the one for this morning. And then I forgot to switch it from AM to PM for years. And I Oops. was like, which is a very common thing for me to do. Like, I'll get messages all the time. Are you sure you meant to put <laughs> AM and not 6pm? And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you're right. My bad. Hold on. Yeah. Let me, let me fix that. Let me bring. That's it. all good. 
uh, I just, yeah, but, but I really appreciate you having me. It's, it's been lovely to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you everybody who's been uh, chiming in, in the uh, comment section here. Uh, Jesse Lee. Is oh, Jesse. Hi. I didn't, I didn't even see the comments. So that's, that's amazing. Jessie's an amazing, amazing artist uh, based okay. in Toronto as well. Um, her work has been in South Korea. She does this whole cat dog series. It's so cool. So nice. And you're not yeah. talking about the Nickelodeon series? No, no. Uh, much, much higher concept. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. You know, I really appreciate it. Um, and if you ever need anything, let us know. You, yeah. Um, but thank you everybody for uh, tuning in and we will see you all later. See you. Thanks everyone. Bye. So I hope you all really, really enjoyed that uh, interview with uh, Van Corvid. Uh, as I was kind of running through the uh, the, the uh, interview there, I was thinking about like right after this interview ends. So when she says bye, usually I cut the stream and then we uh, go through like a little bit of a debrief, not like that it's anything like super official, but it's like what I call a debrief, where we basically go over what we talked about and make sure they don't have any questions about release, where it gets released, you know, stuff of that. And then we just kind of do a little chit chat, small chat, you know, whatever you want to call it. And right as soon as she said bye she hung up the phone or hung up or hung up the uh, zoom uh call and i'm just sitting there with like uh wait you didn't need to like actually hang up that the the close was more for the people listening not you to leave because i wanted to talk to you a little bit more and you know whatever but so then luckily about two minutes later she jumped back on she was like i'm so sorry i didn't realize I heard you try and say something afterwards as I was jumping off. And I was just like, oh, it's all good. It's usually just a quick debrief type situation. So that's just kind of funny. I thought I would share that with you all. But boy, this podcast really didn't end up being as short as I thought it was going to be. Damn, I was hoping to keep it under two hours. Sorry, guys. Oh, well. Maybe just two hours and 15 minutes or so is where it's meant to be from now on. Um... But that being said, I really hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Van Corvid. I loved getting to know her, talking to her a little bit. Um, super cool person, super cool musician, super talented. So if y'all ever get a chance, please go check her out. Van Corvid, Facebook, all the social media, all that fun stuff. And yeah, just keep continuing supporting independent music. And so that being said... Um, I really want to thank you all so much for continuing to watch and support us. Uh, please continue all social media live and amplified or live and amplified.net. Uh, go check out our website. We got some really cool stuff happening over there. And uh, even if you're not a music player or music musician, I will get the words out, but I'm not going to cut this. Um, even if you're not a musician, we got some really cool stuff happening over there. If you love music, play music, or just a supporter of independent music in general, you know, we, we've got a little bit of everything for everyone. And so we hope you guys will go over there and check it out. Um, we're building out our database and our, our archives. And so, 
do us a solid and go check out liveandamplified.net. I'd appreciate it. Alicia, one of our writers, would appreciate it. And, you know, just everybody live and amplified related would really appreciate it. So we got one final segment for y'all tonight. Um, it, it's kind of become a little bit of a struggle because I, I unintentionally gave myself the stigma of being somebody that hates cover songs because I just released an article uh, called uh, Pull the Covers Back. Uh, it's tips on how to optimize your set. Um, and basically it comes off as kind of a anti-cover song crusade, which if you sit there and kind of run through the article really quick, cause it's only like a two or three minute read, uh, that's not what I'm getting at at all. But, you know, I'm a sucker for a good cover, uh, you know, unique covers, songs that are covered in unique ways, or, you know, just like unique songs that are covered that are maybe never thought of as your traditional cover songs by acoustic acts or whatever um so you know this week we uh we i had to make sure that i had uh, a cover song in the books because i knew i was going to release this article this week um so I, I really wanted to make sure i had a cover song in the wings and so i reached out to our friends all the way down in austin i say all the way like it's a huge trip or something it's only like two or three hours for me but uh this week we have a uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, I said that. Britney Spears. Get over it. We have a Britney Spears cover by our, our good friends all the way down in Austin there. Uh, Caravan Thorn. They do an acoustic cover to Toxic. So I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm going to just let the song do the speaking and let y'all do the rocking. Let's jump into it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Toxic by Britney Spears, covered by Kara Van Thorn. Um, I hope you all really, really enjoyed that. You know, it, it's it's always funny when a song from an artist that I used to listen to as a kid, you know, 90s kid, 2000s, uh, depending on what you consider yourself as a kid. I was like a teenager in the 2000s, and so this was definitely like a song that was played on the radio constantly, a song that I knew very well because it was played on all the top 40 stations. Um, so when they sent me this song, when I reached out to them and they sent me this song, it's like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is what we're going to play. So I hope you guys really enjoyed that. You know, it, it's a nice little trip down Nostalgia Lane. <laughs> Nostalgia Lane, you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know what the fuck that was. Uh, so, yeah, that that was that. I hope you guys really enjoyed this week's episode. Um, I'm not going to beat around the bush and extend this out too much longer because it's already getting to be two hours and ten minutes or so. So I'm going to kind of speed this up and wrap it up. Uh, but before we do that, I kind of want to jump into a little bit of plugs. We haven't really had that many plugs, but... Um, Shout out to MXO Microphones. They are awesome. We They are what I'm currently using to record all the the um, cut-ins in between the segments. And so I, we absolutely love them. And so if you are looking for new mics, podcasting, uh, conferencing, music, instruments, whatever, you, whatever recording or whatever live streaming or video gaming or whatever you're doing, Hit up mxlmics.com. They're the best. We love them. Can't say enough good things about them. Um, So make sure you go and support them. Uh, We absolutely love them. I've said that about four times in this plug, but we absolutely love them. Also, um, shout out to the Liberty Inc. I don't know why I called it the Liberty Inc. It's just the Liberty. Uh, They are a venue based out of Roswell, New Mexico. Even before we had a thousand subs, they've been a supporter of Live and Amplified. Uh, they were helping us book some of our early on bigger name uh, podcast interviews. Like uh, the Liberty was the reason we got the Bellamy Brothers, the Whalers, uh, Josh Ward, Corey Morrow, you know, and a couple of others. But they were very instrumental in helping us book out some of our early podcasts and even some of our, our more recent ones. And unfortunately, right now, we haven't been able to get out there to do any more podcasts because of the pandemic. 
but we are really, really, really holding out hope right now. Uh, there's a big show that they have coming up in June that we are really hoping to get out there for, and we want to do a podcast with these guys. Um, I'm pretty sure as of right now, the show is still on, but I think as of the 15th is when we'll know officially because I think that's when the next like big city or state meeting is. Um, I was reading an article that that's when their next big extension or non-extension is supposed to be. But, you know, if we can't make it out there, we can't. If we can, great. But the show that I've been hinting at is a very big one. On June 13th at 8 p.m. in Roswell, New Mexico at the Liberty, they have the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. We're hoping to be out there to do a podcast, you know, and a couple other things that have not quite been confirmed yet. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But like I said, that's all pending what New Mexico does with the whole COVID-19 situation. Um, But we are really trying and really pushing to get in there to do an interview with the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. And if you're wondering why that's kind of a big interview for us, if you are a fan of Sublime, the members of Sublime are also the members of the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. So it's kind of like the same band. Not like 100%, but like the founding members of Sublime are also the founding members of this band. So, yeah, that's kind of why we're super excited about it. And we're pushing really, really hard to get it. And hopefully uh, this whole COVID-19 pandemic does not ruin that for us. So please, go away. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, please go support the Liberty. Uh, it's the Liberty Inc on Facebook and all their social media or the Liberty If you want to see what other shows they got coming up. Um, but that's the first show that we're really trying to push to get to because it's a big one. And even if we can't get a podcast, just being there to see them play would be amazing. Um, other than that, you know, you know what it is. Uh, so please go support them. And then also finally to kind of wrap everything up because I'm rambling, which I have a tendency to do. I'm sorry. I'm not a perfect human being, although I wish I was, but we won't go there. Um, please go support live and amplified as always live and amplified.net live and amplified on all of our social media. We're uploading daily. We are just podcasting daily. We are posting daily, you know, just anywhere and everywhere. Please go support us. Please go support all our musicians. They are our family and we will do anything for our family. I don't know why I'm getting hyped about it, but they are our family. So if you support us, please go support them. If you support them, please come support us because we are in it because we love our family And anybody that gives us their time values what we are doing. And so we value them automatically. And so we just want to thank everybody that's ever come on our microphones. Wow, that sounded very perverted. But we're going to keep rolling because America. Um, So I really, really hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. 
please support Live and Amplified, liveandamplified.net, you know, all the fun stuff. Please go support every freaking musician that we've ever had on here. Anybody that's ever spoken to our mic. Yep, I said it right that time, but I'm going to keep the first one in because I'm fucking lazy. So deal with it. Um, yeah, just please continue to support independent music. Please go support MXL Mics if you're looking for microphones. And if you happen to be coming to Roswell, New Mexico for any reason, UFO festival, just fun, trips, whatever, make sure you go visit thelibertyinc.com. They are awesome, amazing shows every week. Texas country, Texas red dirt country, you know, country music, whatever you need. Sometimes they have some punk bands, you know, just a whole bunch of different things. So please, 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 anybody that supports us, please go support our guys. Liberty MXL, all of it, and any musician anywhere, just go support independent music because they really need it right now. That being said, I'm your host, Tom Quiet. This has been the live and amplified jam session for May 7th, and I will see you later, Tater Alligator. <laughs>